This week, COVID takes another victim after Dr. Brian loses his fight for better PPE in the hospital. Losing that battle causes what seems like a break with reality, forcing Brian to take a few days away from Ginger and the kids to regroup and recover. But just a few days later, Ginger discovers what's really going on, and she takes care of business. Welcome to My Crazy Divorce. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a man. It's just, I'm beautiful and I'm bright and I deserve better. It's a great day, I'm feeling good. Oh, the possibilities of what I could. Oh, do with the world at my fingertips. My imagination brings a smile up to my lips. Oh. Hey everyone, and welcome to My Crazy Divorce. I'm your host, Tom Milligan. We get a lot of new listeners every week, so if you're new, thanks for joining us. If you're a regular, thanks for being here. New listener or old, get ready for a wild story from Ginger. Holy crap. But guess what? Even though my day job is running ourdivorce.com, where our software helps people get divorced online for just $299, I'm not an attorney, so I never give legal advice. But here's the advice I'll offer about your divorce. If you think you need a divorce attorney, do some research first. You'll find that over 90% of divorces settle without ever seeing a courtroom or standing in front of a judge. In other words, most divorces do not require attorneys. So contacting an attorney for your divorce should actually be pretty far down your list of calls to make unless you plan on screwing over your soon-to-be ex or if you know they plan to screw you. But if you've done your research and tried to be reasonable with each other and you still can't figure it out, then by all means, hire the best attorney you can find. Because let's face it, you're probably going to need it. And be sure to keep in touch because you'll probably be on our show at some point. (laughs) Just saying. And since I'm always looking for guests on the show, when you have a crazy divorce story to share, please visit MyCrazyDivorce.com and click on the Apply to Be a Guest button. It only takes a minute. And I promise, we'll have a great time recording the show. So, let's meet Ginger. Ginger, I am so excited to hear this story today. It must be a doozy because we're in disguise. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And let's just uh, let's just jump right in because I think that uh, we're going to hurry through a lot of the background because we want to get to this crazy story. From what I've heard so far, wow. <laughs> so, let's start with this. Where are you from? I'm from back east. New Jersey. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was born on a in a colonial home on four acres with tons of animals and two older brothers. My parents stayed married, very stable life and home. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've heard this show. You know exactly what I was about to ask. <laughs> exactly. The only thing you missed is religion. Was your family a religious? Oh family? yeah, we're Jewish. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And very practicing Jewish? I was or? growing up, but is anybody as an adult? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I, I, I've never been Jewish. <laughs> There's always time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a recovering Mormon, so that's usually my life. <laughs> All right. Okay, so you grew up Jewish. Let's talk about high school, though. I mean, we're, you know, just want to understand your background. Are you a 
you the popular girl? Were you the nerd? I was a very late bloomer. So I was 4'10 until I was 16. I was a tiny little thing. I was a runner, a track athlete, which sort of saved my life and made me cool. And I didn't even have a first boyfriend until I was in college. Very late bloomer, especially in New Jersey, where most of my friends already had kids in high school. <laughs> <laughs> You, you were 4'10"? How tall I was, are you I'm 5'5". Five, five. I grew seven inches after I was 16. Holy I know, crap. it's crazy for a girl. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, that's one of my <laughs> biggest achievements. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <Thank you. laughs> okay, so let's talk about your ex. And we're going to call your ex Brian. Mm -hmm. And what do we know about his background? He moved around a lot. His dad was a professor and his parents also stayed married. So we thought we had that going for us. <laughs> he is the baby of four and they were a pretty tight knit family. They moved back east, down south and out west and things were quite yeah. stable. But here's a question and I've asked this a couple of times with different people on the show. Yeah. Do you know... Mm -hmm. You, you had a very stable, we moved to this one place, you had four acres and that was home. He's moving all over the place. Some people, there's usually a strategy when people move a lot. Yeah. They are like either, they're the class clown, they're the social butterfly, they're the goth kid in the back. What was his strategy? He's you know? very tall, somewhat athletic, but like an unbelievable geek smart kid. So he was the smart kid and that could be transferred to any state, any school. Insecure slightly athletic <laughs> okay. i know his mom had, he was bullied on a soccer team and his mom you know went down to the bully's home and threatened the bully and it worked and i thought that was an adorable story but i do think she may have really given him so much attention that might be part of you know formed his personality <laughs> Yeah, that might be. And well, we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, I will say that when he was in college, his dad had been sick with cancer, stomach Ooh. cancer, for 10 years. And he was an, a oh, professor. Wow. He became a dean. His dad was very accomplished. I never met him because he died when he was 52. And mm. Brian had to leave college, take care of his mom for a year. And that definitely affected his personality as well. So, yeah, they lost their wow. dad pretty young. Yeah, that's, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Is Brian also Jewish? Hell no. He was raised very Catholic and he was an altar boy. He went to Catholic school. He, you know, he seemed to be a little bit of a Jewophile. He's had Jewish friends throughout his life without realizing it, but it, there's a little bit of anti-Semitism that has come out since we broke up. I call it microaggressive anti-Semitism, compulsive twerk oh, cooking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so was he? So you said he grew up very Catholic. So he was altar boy and all that. Did he remain active? No, nope, reformed Catholic, mortified by the church claims mm. himself to be an atheist. In fact, my kids are known to say they're half Jewish, half atheist. <laughs> but I will say this, his faithlessness, which I thought was like, I didn't need to marry somebody Jewish, but I thought it was the second best thing. Like if he didn't give a shit, then we're good. It, 
I think contributed to his actions that led to our divorce because he didn't have anybody to answer to. When he was a kid, he right. did, but that was all gone. Huh. Interesting. You know, a lot of Christians, at least, yes. will say to atheists, yes. well, if you don't believe in God, what's to keep you from murdering? It's like, so if the only thing keeping me from murdering someone <laughs> yeah. is my belief in something else, how about my belief in myself as being a good person? Right. It's a moral code, right. which... yeah. And was called into question as well. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to hear a little bit about yes. that here in a few. You know, you guys, he moved around. He went to, you know, he took some time off of college to take care of his dad. Mm-hmm. He, ultimately, he finished college. And tell us kind of, this is the part where I never know if I'm supposed to ask about college first or your how you met first. Yeah. Let's kind of blend that okay. all together for us. Yes. Yeah, so I was a student at this hospital for my work and he was an attending doctor there. And that those two things usually don't mix. He immediately was like flies on shit with me, <laughs> started talking to me. <laughs> and there's a lot of doctor shoppers in the hospital of which I'm not, as I always told him. I'm Jewish. There's a lot of doctors in my family. I could give a shit that you're a doctor. Like it doesn't mean shit to me. I care more about who you are than what you do. So that's a Mm -hmm. big theme. But he just sort of seemed crazy about me and ended up asking me out. And I had a boyfriend who I was in love with. And I said, yes, which I, and I'm not a cheater, (laughs) but I said yes to a date, just drinks. And I figured, why am I going out? But while I'm out, I need to tell him about my boyfriend just to be transparent. But I was surprised I said yes. Mm -hmm. And on this date, he said, I have to tell you something. And I said, I have to tell you something. And he said he lived with his girlfriend. And I said, Oh, my God, thank God I'm in love with my boyfriend. We're good. And it was the start of a great friendship. But it quickly became apparent that he was desperate to cheat on his girlfriend with me. And I wouldn't do it. I just was kept a friendship at the hospital where we worked and I never, you know, he, well, I don't know if he cheated on her, but I wasn't going to be the cheaty ever. Well, I will say this, the fact that he was crazy about you and the fact that you would go out with him yeah, as a man, we think differently. And that's like, I got a chance. Yes. So you're saying I have a chance. Yeah, he knew that, okay, the reason I had to break up with my boyfriend who I was in love with, who I wanted to marry, he did not want kids, my old boyfriend. Otherwise, we would still be together. So everyone blames that old boyfriend for what happened to this relationship. (laughs) Because I really really? really wanted to be with him and I couldn't because I knew I wanted to have kids. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot the point of that. (laughs) No, that's okay. (laughs) But that was a significant thing to me. So I was had no interest. But yes, I did have association with him, mostly at the hospital where we worked. We would have lunch together. I helped him shop for an engagement ring for her. So he knew what I liked. Oh, look at and, that. And that wasn't intentional. I was sincerely helping a friend out. He didn't know what she would want. And I wrote them a happy congratulations on your engagement card. I still have it. And I guess he never planned on marrying her. He just thought the end point was to get engaged to appease her. So she would, because she gave him an ultimatum. Oh. Wow. Yes. So suddenly I was single. He wanted to be single when he knew I was single, I think. And he 
broke it up. There was police involvement. There was crazy, drunken, physical fighting, which he denies he was any part of. I guess when the police came to the door, he said, I'm a physician. I didn't do anything, which I always thought was hilarious. And what the hell does yeah. that mean? As if a physician. Doctors never do Oh, anything. of course not. So he immediately wanted to be with me after their breakup. So I made him wait for many months before I would go out on a formal date with him, on a real date with him. So I wouldn't be rebound girl. And I didn't think it was good for him. And I also encouraged him to speak to her and, you know, end on good terms with her, which he had no interest in doing. But that is proof that I'm a good woman because I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> when he can compare what happened to us to what happened when he first started with me. Yeah. Well, that's a that's an interesting story because mm -hmm. for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. But so what's the time period from the time that you first met him till the time that you went out for those first drinks? So we... Well, we had known each other a couple of months before I went out on that date where we both were with other people. But when we actually went on a real date, when we were both single, it was about maybe five months after he was single, probably eight months after I was single because I was single before he was. But we got married pretty quick because we had been friends for four years, if I explain that chronology. <laughs> Okay, so two months after meeting, you go out for yes. drinks, then three and a half years later yes. or whatever is when you both break up with your then partners, yeah. give or take a month or two. Then you wait for five yeah, months. Yeah, 100% because of me. He was like ready the next day. He was ready negative a couple of months before his breakup. <laughs> yeah. And I was still in love with the guy that I broke up with. I just knew that I couldn't be with him if I wanted to have kids. So we were on different wavelengths a little bit. By the way, kudos to you for that, because I think there are a lot of women out there, well, and men, yeah. but there are a lot of women out there that will say, oh, I'll convince him. I know. Or I'll just get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't, I just believe everyone has a truth, so I had to respect his truth. People say it's selfish, but I didn't think it was selfish I, of him to not want kids. I think it's, you just kind of have to identify what's right for you and respect it in each other. And it was heartbreaking. We were, I felt like we were soulmates. Beshert is like, I don't even know if it's a Hebrew or Yiddish word, but we were each other's Beshert and I had to leave. And he was devastated. I was devastated, but I didn't have a choice. So So just out of curiosity, yes. does ex-boyfriend did he ever end up getting married to yes. kids? Yes. Okay, so thank God. So my biggest fear was that he would have kids with somebody else, which didn't happen. So he ended up marrying he was older than me, quite a few years mm. older than me. He ended up marrying a woman who was a couple years older than him, and she had already had kids that were teenagers, so he kind of sort of became a stepdad and that was wonderful. So it seemed to have worked out perfectly. He got married to an older woman and she'd already had kids and he's happy with her. And then I got married and had this great family. And so we were happy for each other. Oh, good. Yeah. So you've stayed in touch at least enough to know a this. little bit. Yes. And that, you know, definitely even recently he found out what was going on and that was very interesting. <laughs> but, well, well, yeah, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know you can get divorced without hiring an attorney? 
Let OurDivorce.com guide you through our three-step process for a simple flat fee. Visit OurDivorce.com to learn more and get started today. All right, so you're, let's just say you're five years into your friendship or whatever with him and you start dating and happen, everything happened pretty quick after that. So you date on day one. Yeah. How long till you got engaged? Well, it's funny. I mean, if I can be so candid, it, I just felt like he was in the friend zone. And especially after leaving the love of my life where there was like wild attraction, I just wasn't totally feeling it for him. So my friends said, my friends from Jersey were like, oh, you have to sleep with him. You'll never know unless you sleep with him. <laughs> so I told him, <laughs> I told him, oh, my friends think I have to sleep with you because I don't really, I'm never going to know. And I'm not like that. I'm like very monogamous with it. You know, I, I don't fool around with multiple guys or whatever. I just thought they were probably right. So he started kissing me and we sat on the bed and I just wasn't feeling it. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of pushed him off me. I'm like, I have my answer. I can't do this. And he was like, wait, give me a chance. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> and I should have listened to that. I should have fucking listened to that. But no, the next week things happen more naturally. And then I was like, wow, okay, I can, I guess there is a physical attraction. I won't go into too much detail, but <laughs> honestly, there was always something that I, I never felt great chemistry with him, unfortunately. So that played into my role in our, you know, impending marriage. <laughs> so, so it was adequate. Yeah, I, I mean, it was fine. I can have fun <laughs> with whatever guy, you know, I was with at the time, but it wasn't what I was used to with like the love of my life where there was crazy. Yeah, the passion. Yeah. And, you know, as my best friend says, she says whenever she has incredible chemistry with somebody, she runs the other way because she knows they're bad for her. So I kind of tried mm. to, you know, convince myself of that one. But I never fell in love and that never really changed. So that's not good, but that's just how it is. Right. That, it's too bad. That's actually kind of sad. It is sad. Like, I felt like I was too young to settle and there were so many great things. Like he was like my best friend and he was seemed to be very in love with me. And I had total security and reassurance with him. And then he said, you know, I'm a big Italian guy. I want a big Italian family. And I really wanted a lot of kids. So it made a lot of sense. Although there was one component missing, which was being crazy in love with somebody and having chemistry sure. or i don't know if that's the same thing or two things <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know either I, well i think you can have chemistry without love i don't know if you can have love without chemistry though love without chemistry i mean yes because that was my marriage not in love but love yeah, yeah. love yeah. and admiration so that's what i had yeah so ginger you guys are you're dating you've discovered that you can have adequate sex and you know hey he's a doctor but you don't care don't but at least like you said he's it's stable yes. he's gonna financially you're not gonna be too concerned you have adequate sex <laughs> darn it like, he's checking the boxes yeah. maybe not in pen or real heavy sharpie but they're there the boxes are getting mm -hmm. checked so you got engaged. Let's hear, was there an engagement story? One day he said, I guess I had forwarded him something from my parents. He hadn't met them yet. And 
he had my parents' email addresses because of that. So he came to work the next day and he's like, I did something. You're going you're gonna to be really mad. And I'm like, what? He's like, I reached out to your parents. And I said, oh, that's kind of cute. What do you mean you reached out to them? My parents called me later and they said, give this guy a chance. Because I wasn't sure. I was on the fence about him. And he had said, I'd be the luckiest guy in the world if Ginger would go out with me and I would love to be with her for the rest of my life. And that kind of sold him. Like they, they said, just give him a chance. We don't know if he is going to be your husband, but give him a chance. And then knowing that I wanted a lot of kids, they sent me an article from the New York Times that said tall men on average have more kids <laughs> than short men. <laughs> And he's tall. So I thought, all right, I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to honor your request. Okay, so i got to ask this real quick before we get right to the engagement. Yes. Your parents were, you know, give the guy a chance, yes. which is great. Yes. But it, they raised you, mm -hmm. taking you to church or to, to synagogue yeah. mm -hmm. or whatever you call it. So they were... Quote, they didn't give a fuck. Yeah, they didn't give a fuck. What they say, what my friend said is, you know, like the doctor trumped the non-Jew. <laughs> my <pa> my <laughs> dad was the most liberal person on the planet. He could have given a fuck what race, religion I was with as long as I was happy. My mom was a little bit more Good. snobby, kind of wanted the status. I think she liked the doctor thing. We didn't care. Me and my dad, we didn't care. But Jewish, she would have preferred, but she was willing to overlook that piece as long as he wasn't a total as, as long as he sent a nice email. Yes. <laughs> okay. Pretty much. Um, okay. All right. Let's get into that engagement. This one night, he had gotten a new place and he asked me to move in with him. And I okay. allegedly, which I don't remember this, said some ridiculous <laughs> cliche like, I'm not going to, you're not allowed to get the what the hell is it cart without the horse cake without yeah, the, yeah don't put the, don't don't put the, put cart, the cart before, the, before the, horse. the horse yeah like i'm not moving in with any guy unless i have a ring which doesn't really sound like something i would say but allegedly i said <laughs> i was going to stop over and see his new place but first we went to dinner with some of his doctor friends so i'm usually kind of the life of the party type of personality and I had fun. I was kind of entertaining them. They were laughing. We had nice conversation. It was like a group of like six of us. And we get in the car after the dinner. And he said, come over. I'm like, you know what? I just put up with your fucking boring friends. Drive me home. And he said, no, really, come over. And I said, I don't want to come over. I have to do laundry. I have to get to work. It was a Sunday night. I have to get prepared for work. Whatever. We'll do it another time. He's like, Ginger, come over. And then I had an instinct of, oh, okay, I better shut my mouth in case something big's about to happen. So that was my first instinct. So I went over and I literally had just cursed out his friends how boring they were. So I wasn't exactly the model future <laughs> fiance, but I walked in. It was very cliche. And I have to say, I appreciated it, but it didn't feel totally authentic. I walked into a room full of flowers and there was a card and he said, open it. And then he got on his one knee and he asked me to marry him. And he had a box with a ring, which was made by my cousin, who was a jeweler. This is the most special part. He had for the last month been 
driving back and forth to my cousin's jewelry store, they were like plotting this together to make me the ring that I would have wanted. But the funniest story about that is he called my cousin and said, this is Ginger's boyfriend. Um, and I want to talk to you about getting her an engagement ring. And he said, which boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> and so to this day, I always blame him for just not hanging up that phone. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So they proceeded to, he educated, you know, my future <laughs> husband about <laughs> diamonds and they made the ring together. So that was very special. But I will say this, we were pretty funny together when we were friends and when we were going out. When I opened that card, this is what it said. It had a picture of a guy on the front and it had like a bouquet of flowers. And then I opened it and it said, congratulations. Oh no, the front cover said, congratulations on meeting Mr. Right. And when I opened it, it said, or at least Mr. Right now. <laughs> Oh, nice. And he wrote, Ginger, marry me, Brian, and said yes, but I didn't feel a thousand percent all in. But I said yes, and we called my parents, and we called his mom, and I walked around with an engagement ring feeling kind of in shock is the best way I can say. Sure. And he, a couple of days later, he said to me, you don't seem that happy. Mm. Like something doesn't seem right. I thought you'd be overjoyed. And I said, well, all my friends told me I'm not allowed to have guy friends when I get married. And I'm kind of bummed out about that because I have a lot of guy friends. He said, I don't give a shit what guy friends you have as long as you don't sleep with them. So then I was good. Then I was happier after that. <laughs> well, good. So, cause that, so that was in addition to the adequateness of the <laughs> passion. The other part of that is that you're, you, the other part that you just said is that you just were afraid that you were going to have to say goodbye to so many yes. friends. So it was a kind of a double whammy. Yeah. I think he really did understand me. He knows I would never cheat. He knows that I have guy friends. So he accepted that. So I felt very accepted. That's yeah. good. So you're engaged. Yes. You got a ring. And like you said before, he knew what you mm -hmm. liked. So he had the advantage there. So how long... Did you move in then now that you were yep, engaged? I moved in right away, which I'm very happy about. I'm glad that we lived together before we got married because when I was walking down the aisle, not that many months later, we were only engaged, I guess, for about six months before we got married. We hastened it. I'm not sure why, but it seemed like a smart idea at the time. Yeah. <laughs> when I was walking down the aisle, I remember feeling very comforted that I knew how he was to live with because I felt like that would be mm -hmm. too much and too scary to go into it blind. But right before I was walking down the aisle, my guy friend, one of my best college friends, drove me up to the wedding site and he said, you don't have to do this. You can run away with me right now. Oh. <laughs> and for a minute I considered it, not necessarily running away with somebody else, but just not doing it. But everyone had flown in and uh -huh. I proceeded to go forward. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times we've heard that on this show. The bride yes. specifically saying, I can't believe I've, yeah. I had too many people. We're too much invested. Yes. We've flown in. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, when people started flying in from around the country, I felt the pressure, like the weight of the world, that this couldn't be undone. But about four days before the wedding, 
a mutual friend said to me, she said, I could never marry a guy like Brian because she was friends with Brian and his old girlfriend that he had broken off the engagement with. And I said, what do you mean by that? That doesn't make any sense. She said, you know, his temper is so bad. He fights and screams so much. I just wouldn't be good with a guy like that. And my heart sunk. I had no sign of this. So that was probably my first blaring, glaring red flag. That you ignored. That I ignored. I just thought, well, shit, what the hell is she talking about? She's not going to go out with him anyway. Like, he doesn't even want her. And he's getting married to me. So that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. So you're married. Yes. It, you know, was the wedding everything you ever dreamed of besides nope. not being happy about it? Was it was beautiful because... <laughs> Besides not being happy about it. <laughs> that pretty much sounded it was great, except I didn't necessarily want to marry that guy. You know, I played the part. I'm a really good actress. Everyone said I looked happier than they've ever seen me, and I literally thought they don't know me. Two of my friends in the whatever you call it audience, a couple, they looked at each other and they said, You're just not in love. The guy was really worried about me. I never told anybody. I just kept it to myself. I said he was wrong. Went on our honeymoon to Italy, he wanted to go there to see his roots. I'd never been there. We'd never been there. And, you know, they weren't, you know how they say like, oh, it's so romantic in Italy and just tell everyone you're just got married and they're going to treat you amazingly well. Like they could have given a fuck. They're like dime a dozen, <laughs> another American couple. <laughs> stupid Americans. Exactly. Wish they'd exactly. And then I was trying to speak Spanish in Italy because I don't speak Italian and they just were not, nothing about this was good. But we were in Cinque Terre at one point on our honeymoon. It's like five towns this beautiful hike, many miles, you know, along the water, very romantic. He started yelling and cursing at me. This was the first big fight we ever had. And I got, yes, and I got scared and he left. Like he walked out, he told, he called me a fucking bitch and he walked away and my heart sunk. And I thought I continued the hike and by myself and I thought you know what do I send presents back at this point do I give it like or is it okay for me to keep them this is what I was thinking (laughs) and then when I got back to the hotel he was very apologetic and it just obviously something was wrong (laughs) I guess he thought now that I have her locked in I can show my true colors so that was a sign also Yeah, it was foreshadowing. I don't do well with abuse. So I kind of had this rule that if anyone was ever abusive to me, I would leave. So I felt trapped, but I was willing to overlook it. They call me Blanche from Streetcar Named Desire. Like the world can be crashing around you and you're like, everything's great. Everything's going really good. I just focused on the positive. And he had a lot of positive attributes. And, you know, it's like he was my best friend. You know, your best friend acts like a fucking asshole. You're like, whatever. Like you had a bad day. As long as you're remorseful, like you're human. I kind of, that's how I felt about it. But something was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. There is something wrong. Okay, so let's fast yes. forward though, because you're so you're on your honeymoon, which turned out to be not what you'd hoped right. from a wedding that was disappointing into a <laughs> less than passionate marriage. And, but this is just all full of joy. You know, I always joke with the, our guests because there's like this the story most of the time starts out all happy. I know. It's like this was the greatest day of my life, yes. and then something turns to shit. Yes. Well, now we've got this story that 
maybe for him it was the greatest day of his life. Yeah. He was, I've been dreaming about this woman for five years. Yeah, she finally possibly. said yes. But for you, it wasn't. So did it ever get better or did it stay? Well, I think the key for me is I knew my calling in life was to be a mom. I never, ever wanted to do that alone. I always wanted love in my life. I know that I have like really good relationship energy. I wanted love. I wanted it all. But I knew that I had to be a mom. So within six months, I was pregnant. And then I felt more content with him. Like, you know what? This isn't going to be this great, this shared soulmate love of my life, but he's the one that's going to give me everything. And that, that ended up being true temporarily. But no matter how much I felt towards an ex, no matter what I thought and hoped, this was the guy that was doing life with me. And so I felt like really grateful to him and appreciative and I cherished it and I held our marriage on sacred ground. I never complained about him. I did not speak of his temper to people. I just was like, holy shit, I'm going to have a baby. I'm the luckiest girl in the world. And it's with my best friend and he loves me and we're both super excited. And honestly, after being with a guy who didn't want kids, I remember the call he put into his mom and siblings like, just pregnant. He was so excited. And that felt, it just made it clear why I was with him. I thought. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. So you're pregnant. That's probably when you quote, fell in love. And maybe the chemistry wasn't there, but the love was. I loved him and I admired him. And I was very thankful for our family. And I really appreciate what he did. But the in love feeling, maybe the closest thing I had to it was when I saw him hold our babies. That was pretty close. He was a great dad. He was very good with babies. But yeah, I never felt the wild in love. But yes. And it's impossible for you to know this for sure. But did he feel the wild in love? Do you think? I think he was in love with me. Until one day he wasn't, <laughs> years down the road. Right, but, yes. But he was in yes, love with Yes, and I you. never you told just... him I wasn't. I played the part really well. So that is the responsibility I take in the relationship when I look back at what was wrong for me or what could I have done better? How could I have been more honest? Or maybe I let it go on too long. But after three kids, we were blissed out. We were a happy family. And I accidentally got pregnant with the fourth. I you know, was, had a nine month old baby girl. I was breastfeeding her and I was throwing up over her head. <laughs> and I found out I was pregnant a couple of months down the road without either one of us realizing. And he was seemed excited for a day and then he flipped out and he said like we can't do this this is impossible like we can't have four kids and I'm like you know we're gonna be fine like I'm a great mom we have our three kids and you know you're the baby of four so this is basically you in the same you know in the next generation we'll be good and he really had a problem and yeah so that when, when was so that? So it was 14 years ago now, so it's been a hot minute. Divorce doesn't have to be complicated. Our Divorce.com's three-step procedure provides a simple and affordable process that you can follow at your own pace. Save thousands by visiting OurDivorce.com today. So 2008, give or take, and he's you're on your fourth kid, yeah. which, by the way, yeah. that, you know, 
that's not a, I mean, that's a lot of kids, yeah. but it's not a lot no. of kids. And if you had both said you wanted a lot yeah, of kids. Yeah, exactly. I could have had oh. many more. I realized he was probably done at three, but like how I felt like we were the luckiest people on the planet to, you know, like in, in this day and age to be blessed with a fourth baby. Like I just felt like we were so lucky to have another healthy baby. Like you can't complain about your incredible fortune, but yeah, he wasn't totally on board with it. So that was a little scary. So answer me this yes. though. So he's doctoring, yes. um, making good money. Yes. So I don't think the fourth child was, it was a financial anger or was it you know like women in our society we all want to be beautiful men maybe never feel totally financially secure he did have that fear that it would be too much for him financially now for me i'm like i'm very frugal we live absolutely within our means i work part-time and our kids go to public school, school, we're fine. We don't have nannies. I do everything happily without complaint. We're good. We were absolutely fine. But he didn't necessarily feel that. You can't make somebody know that and feel that, whether it's true or not. So that was a pretty glaring red flag because it came back to haunt me later. And I remember saying, I don't want to be a single mom of four. Like I'll do whatever I can to prevent that to the point where I was looking up dear birth mother letters when I was pregnant thinking, you know, I never would want to give my baby up, but if I had to, this couple would be an amazing candidate. And we have two friends going through infertility. So I just made it a win-win situation, but you know, luckily we were, you know, we have four kids and, I'm very thankful for that, no matter what happens. Wow. So that you went as far as to consider at least giving your baby up for adoption. Only for, only because to appease him, because I thought if there's no other way, at least it would be a win-win. But thankfully I didn't have to do that. Yeah. But that actually says a lot, especially given the fact that you ended your relationship with soulmate. Yes. You know. Oh, 20 years earlier oh. or whatever at that point for not wanting to have right. children. I could, I mean, personally, who I am, my calling, I could never have had enough kids. Like I would never be a mom that would be like, I'm done. Thank God. No more. Never. So a fourth baby for me was just as good as having one or two. It's, it's all good to me. Yeah. So if Brian had been cooperative, we'd be calling this 19 and probably I did. We <laughs> did get asked to do a reality show, but he wouldn't do it <laughs> with our family. Did you really? Yeah. Like, cause we're in an urban area and it's, it is unusual to have four kids. So we, he wouldn't go for it. And I'm glad he didn't ultimately. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately. Yes. Okay. So you have kid number four. He's not happy about it. Ultimately, he, I'm assuming yeah. he grew to yes. love and accept. Now, this was 2008 when your youngest was born. Mm -hmm. And here we are in 2022. Yeah. So we've got 14 years of no more kids yeah, coming. Right. But something happened here. Flash forward to the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020. And that wasn't the end, but that was the beginning of things to come. And so we were both working in hospitals. COVID was apparent and it was scary. And every other day, one of us would be more scared than the other. I said, oh my God, this seems really bad. COVID's 
going to hit us bad. And he'd be like, calm down, we're fine. And the next day he'd be like, you think this isn't going to affect us? This is going to, this is going to take us down. And I'd be like, oh my God, we're fine. But, (laughs) but we kind of went like that for a little until one weekend he was taking call. He was working in the hospital for his friend who was supposed to go to a medical conference but he never went because of the pandemic. The medical conference was canceled. So he went in the hospital and he ended up having 17 COVID patients at the end of March on his own. He could not get back up. He works in a small hospital. He was sending pictures to me and the kids of himself in a papper helmet. And he was writing, fuck this shit. And I'm like, hey, you know, like, Keep him, keep this on the down low. Like, I understand you're not happy and scared, but let's not freak out the kids here. But I was advised, we work in two different hospitals, that at mine, every doctor that was treating COVID patients to protect their family had to either stay outside of the house or quarantine in the house and gave him a bunch of, you know, clean clothes and dinner. And I, we have a washer dryer downstairs and I texted him. I'm like, I'm so sorry to ask this of you, but people are advising us that you have to come in, you know, strip down, take a shower, throw your clothes in the wash. I'm bringing you dinner, but I'm so sorry. I think you have to stay downstairs. Like it was very scary. And he was like, fuck you, Ginger, fuck you. And I didn't know what to do. I was scared. And I said, I think you have to wear an N95 mask in the house. You can come up. Of course, we want to see you. You know, of course, we don't want you to feel isolated. But we just didn't know what to do. So a couple of days, he was pretty angry at me. And a couple of days later, I heard these crazy sobbing noises downstairs. And I went downstairs And I opened the door and he was sobbing uncontrollably. And this is not a man who expresses emotion. I'm like, oh my God, what happened? He said, I can't take this. COVID is too scary. It's gonna kill us all. It's gonna take me down. I'm so scared I contracted it from my patients. They don't have proper PPE. I love you. I love our family. I don't know what to do. This is terrifying and I can't live like this. You're right. You're right. I have to be quarantined. It's not you. And I'm sorry I said that to you. And this is going to take us down. And I'm if I die of this, here's my life insurance policy. And wow. you have to promise, here's the foreshadowing comment. I know you're not litigious, but you have to promise me you're going to sue my hospital if anything happens to me. So I said, you know, I love you. But listen to me, you have my blessing to quit. You do not have to feel that pressure men feel in society of just fuck it. We can sell the house. We're fine. As long as we're healthy, we all love each other. We have our beautiful family. Nothing is worth this. COVID is too scary. You're right. You don't have to do this. Like I admire you as a doctor and like you're our family hero, but nothing is worth this terror. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I meant it. I meant it a thousand percent. And I was terrified also working in the hospital. I work at a very big city hospital. So I, there was a lot of COVID in our hospital. I was terrified to bring it to our kids. My kids said we can't have two parents on ventilators. I didn't know what to do. My kids didn't have any school. They didn't even have Zoom, nothing. So we had the four kids at home. He said, you have to take off two months. You're right, you have to take off. So I happily did that. 
just, it lowered our level of stress for me to stay home. He had some issues at the hospital because I think he had kind of lost his shit that weekend. And he made it known that he didn't feel safe or backed up at the hospital. So he got a little time off. Okay, so now let's flash forward to, I'm going to say beginning of May 2020. Everything was fine within those crazy circumstances. And he went back to the hospital, started working again. During that two yes. or three months there, though, you were all in the house together. Pretty much. It was a little bit unusual, but the stress was better. I really focused on making sure he had support. I talked to his local sister that, you know, he had a lot of stress at the hospital. He was very scared, and I was taking time off work, and he was too. And he just needed extra support. I really made a conscious effort to make sure he was getting support. I was. I didn't even know that I needed support. I just felt a lot under a lot less stress not walking into an urban center with a lot of COVID. And I could be there for my kids who didn't have anything going on. I was like the activity core, the PE teacher and the math and English teacher. So we were good. But in early May 2020, he went back to work and he went to the other side of the pendulum and he would come home. I am the hospital hero. Everybody loves me. Everyone's thanking me. I brought all the PPE into the hospital. Everyone's praising me. You're not praising me enough. It was a little bit of that. So I just said, you know, well, I'm really proud of you. You know, we really admire you. Stay safe. And there was a time where there was a Zoom meeting where his friends gave him a standing ovation for being a hospital hero. And they asked me to speak about Dr. Brian, what a hero he was. And, you know, meanwhile, I was going into the hospital as well, terrified, but they just, I was his bitch, I guess. <laughs> but I was okay taking that role on. And I just, you know, repeated and repeated, he's our family hero. And we're really, you know, in admiration for what he's doing. So mid-June 2020, out of nowhere, I was coming back from work. He texted me to check my email. I checked my email and it said, I love you. I don't know what the hell is going on with me, but COVID ruins everything. I took my ring off. I want to date. I want to go to the Swiss Alps with somebody I love. And everything else sort of made sense within the circumstances. <laughs> Is you know that COVID ruins everything. I love you. I love our family. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't want any sort of separation. I just need a break. I can't take it anymore. The four kids are still at home. I can't take it. So all of that seemed very truth telling, which I could accept, except for the taking off his ring part <laughs> and yeah. dating part. I didn't know what the hell that meant, but he's the last person on earth to be a cheating type. He's more of a, like, I can't get him off the couch type. And this just was a thousand percent blindsiding, but also seemed such a one-off. I thought possibly things might be okay. So I went home like Blanche in streetcar named desire and made dinner for everybody and pretend. And then he wanted to talk and he started crying, which he doesn't do. And he said he didn't know what the fuck he was doing and I'm beautiful and he loved me and it was, it was just crazy because of COVID. And I said, is there somebody else? And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like who the hell would want to even date me? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm going nuts. And I'm like, okay, listen, go clear your head. 
take a few days off. I got the kids, go to one of these essential worker hotels, and he did it. He seemed like a lost puppy. The next day he was packing up his suitcase. I said, do you know where you're going? Do you want me to give you a list of my hospital's essential worker hotels? He's like, yeah, that's the thing. I don't know where to go. So I gave him a couple suggestions and I said, just go sit by the pool, drink Mai Tais. <laughs> so he went away. I gave him you know, a couple days off. That was fine. I felt like very likely things were over with us out of nowhere. We had been married for 20 years with our four kids, but I just didn't feel good about it. My friends were like, just put on a cute outfit and, you know, flirt with him and everything's going to be fine when he gets home. And <laughs> he came home a few days later, you know, went to see him. And I said, Hey, Brian, what's up? How was it? How are you feeling? He's like, get the fuck out of here. You fucking bitch. You have no right to fucking ask me. And I was definitely taken aback, not expecting that, no matter under any circumstances, I didn't expect that response. Obviously, I didn't deserve it. I knew I didn't deserve it. But I, you know, here I am trying to keep my shit together, taking care of the four kids, going to work, you know, just being Blanche. I gave him another day to kind of, you know, pull himself together, re-asked, same reaction, went downstairs to do the laundry and I heard him talking on the phone you know this two days in after he came back and he said something about the hospital something about it was very boring he was going on and on <laughs> and as I'm doing and he said something along the lines of I can't stop thinking about you or something but I couldn't totally hear what he said and then he continued on about the hospital and patients and how busy he is at the hospital. So I knew it was, I, I assumed it was some, you know, bleach blonde bimbo, 20 year old nurse from the hospital who didn't know he has a family. But even that seemed completely out of character for him. So he heard me outside the door, opened up the door, and he, I said, you know, what the hell was that? Who's on the phone? He hung up. And he said, none of your fucking business, bitch. You have no right to fucking ask me. And I said, it is my business. I'm your wife. What the hell? I know. I, don't, I have no idea. Well, I do know. But he said, okay, I'm seeing somebody. This is like five days in <laughs> from the original email. So I didn't know what to do. I think I was crying and it was bad. And then I walked out of the room. My oldest son was outside. I didn't know that he had heard that. He grabbed my hand, gave me the best legal advice I've gotten the whole time. He said, mom, I'm really sorry you're going through this, but take your emotion out of this and close the business deal. That's what he said. <laughs> your son yeah, said that? Yeah, my son said that. Oh my gosh. My sons have given me some great advice too, but yeah. wow, that's Wait, say that again. Okay, so he take said, your emotion yeah, out. Yeah, he said, and... I'm really sorry you're going through this, but take your emotion out of it and close the business deal. And I said, I know. I like I, I live in reality, so I knew it was over no matter what. Because I don't tolerate affairs. I don't tolerate, probably the abuse was worse than whatever was going on here. But something was going on. So... I talked to a counselor quick. I started talking to divorce attorneys, you know, within the day. <laughs> and mm. the first one I talked to told me he'd been a divorce lawyer for 30 years and he can guarantee that we're going to get back together. He was completely wrong. 
And that actually gave me comfort for about five minutes. I was like, oh, I don't know how that could ever work because I would not be into this. But like I said at the beginning, I was never in love. I kept saying, oh my God, I lost my family. Plus, I was in the middle of a pandemic. I'm a frontline healthcare worker. I was terrified of COVID. My kids did not have school and I don't have any family support. P.S. That's another piece. It was scary. It was definitely scary. I was convinced that my husband was my rock. I had lost my parents within a few years before nine months apart. And I just don't have family support. So I was wrong to think my husband was a replacement for my parents' support in my life. I was willing to admit the wrongness of that ultimately. So within the month, I was going for a run after work and I went to my favorite running path and he was with my friend outside sitting on chairs, eating fucking bonbons. (laughs) And I, my first thought was total peace and comfort. And I felt vindicated. I had my answer and I realized it was her. And I also thought like her seriously, like this dull anti-ginger woman, (laughs) dull personality. Every single thing about her is the opposite of me. She's a doctor also, although she works three days a month, which is the least you can work and maintain your medical license. From what I've heard, this is how much she works. She's my been my friend through the entire pandemic and before. I know her husband. I know her kids. I was talking to my friend on the phone when I discovered them. She said, like, please don't confront them. You're going to get killed. <laughs> don't confront them. And I was just so at peace. I just didn't, I didn't have any I felt the opposite of violence. I felt peace. So I knocked on his car door and she was in the passenger seat. I had my mask on because I didn't want their COVID. (laughs) And I just said, hi guys, how's it going? (laughs) Good job. Thanks for being, you know, so real with me. And, you know, does your husband know? You know, I said to the woman and they looked at me in shock and I drove away and that was it. Like no Tiger Woods wife thing. I'm thinking like, I'm not even in love with this guy. This is my out. That's how I felt. (laughs) When he came home, the opposite of, I think, a human reaction. He came in the house maybe an hour later and he said, you proud of yourself? And I said, yeah, you know what? why don't you go move in with your girlfriend and her husband? You guys will make a great thruple. I'll take care of her kids because they deserve a great mom. And unfortunately, three of my four kids were outside of the room where I said that to him. So I had a lot of explaining to do. (laughs) Yeah, I, I had, I guess I didn't mention this. I had already kicked daddy out of the house because of his abusive behavior and you know, my knowledge that there was likely an affair going on. I had to explain to them that, you know, daddy's not coming back to this house. He's doing something that's incompatible with marriage. I'm really sorry. We both completely love you guys. And I'm really sorry. And that was the best I could do. I'm losing track of time here. So you get the email. Five days later, he's calling your names and yeah. on the phone. So then, okay, so then fast forward three weeks. So now we're okay. in July 2020, sorry, when I actually physically caught them. And they were just possibly going in for a kiss. I didn't see anything beyond that physically. But I do hope I haunt 
her nightmares because I was knocking on the door <laughs> at the window, waving to them when I think she was about to kiss my husband. So yeah. nice. And when did you kick him out? Oh, so I guess I had kicked him out a week or two before that. I had actually talked to a counselor who said, nobody ever taught you to be a bitch. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know he's living downstairs and he's being abusive and it seems like he's having an affair. Nobody believed that he would ever have an affair. And I didn't have any documented proof, but he said, I'm gonna give you a script, the counselor said. I'm like, all right, give it to me. He said, tell him to get the fuck out. <laughs> and wow. I said, okay, so should I say those words? He said, yeah. So I went to him and I said, Brian, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? I said, get the fuck out. I like, I deserve an Academy Award for my acting skills, but it worked. And I threw his keys out on the driveway and he left and I wouldn't let him back in. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my chronology is a little out of order. Yeah. So then two or three weeks later, you catch him about kiss. Yes. And you tell him he comes, but he comes back to the house to say, are you proud of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to talk to the kids. He left. I think there may have been some days or nights where he stopped back and he would stay for a couple hours. Neither of us knew what to do, but I, it was over. And I couldn't believe my friend would do this. And I knew that she was married also. Um, she immediately blocked me off of, you know, from her phone and social media. And I had kind of threatened to tell her husband within a couple of days if she didn't. And I just promised myself that I would have no contact with her husband until our divorce was finalized. So I will tell you this when it's interesting you said that, because when I found out about my now ex-wife's first affair, this is a friend of mine. Oh. And I had no suspicions whatsoever that there was an affair going same. on. I mean, I just it didn't even enter my mind yeah, same. until that night and found lingerie in a suitcase oh, that she had just yes, come home Jesus. with mm -hmm. uh, from a business mm -hmm. trip. And I sat there staring at it for a while. When I finally accepted that there was an affair, mm -hmm. And I confronted her and she actually did come clean. Mm. And, but then I knew who it was, yeah. but I said, who is it? And she told me and just confirmed. Mm -hmm. I texted mm. him and I said, yeah. if I don't hear from your wife by noon tomorrow, I will call her myself. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm not going to protect him. Right. I mean, she's exactly. a victim. And, and he actually texted back mm -hmm. because Trinity, my ex-wife, yeah. had already texted him to say, Tom knows. Okay. And so when I texted him, he wasn't surprised. Yeah. And he said, and this is like two in the morning. He, yeah. he texted me mm. back and he said, I'm sitting on the edge of the bed right now, just staring at her, trying to figure out how to wake her up and tell oh. her. And she called me at nine o'clock the next morning. <laughs> and, it, you know, their stories didn't match 100%, but they were like 90%. You know, the details were off a little right. bit, but it was enough to know that mm. we'd both gotten pretty much the same story and that's what we both cared about and we both chose to forgive okay yeah and he quit by the way that day because yeah. oh, we all worked oh, together wow. so he quit his job okay. and never went back to the building oh, wow. he didn't put in a two weeks notice mm -hmm. or anything wow. <laughs> he just left so yeah similar reaction is just yeah i'm not going to protect 
of course, you know, I'm going to tell your husband. Exactly. Okay. To extend beyond that, a lot of people say with the fairs, you know, you can't blame the other person. And my feeling about that is I said no to all the opportunities I had to cheat. So you are responsible to, like, I take care of other families, especially. And I would never, ever do that to a woman. I would never do that to a family. I don't care how cute the guy is or how whatever he is. I don't give a shit. I don't cheat, period. <laughs> so the fact that mm -hmm. she said yes, or that he said yes, or they both said yes, as I told him, you're 100% at fault, and she's 50% at fault. <laughs> yeah, people that say, you know, I get asked all the time. I mean, I we talk about this on TikTok all the yeah. time, and people are always like, what did you do? Yes. And I always say, what well, does it matter? Yeah. Well, it takes two. No, no it, doesn't. it doesn't. Here's the thing. If what we did caused an affair, yeah. then I would have had one too. Exactly. And it's not A plus B equals affair. Mm -hmm. It's A plus B equals a reaction to A plus mm -hmm. B. And her chosen reaction yes. is to have an affair. Right. Now, did I contribute to a marriage that obviously was not fulfilling for her? Obviously, I did. And quite frankly, I hate to say this to you, Ginger, yeah. but obviously you did Absolutely. too. But you did not cause him to have an affair. That was him. Yes. And I mean, my part in it, I can tell the whole time, if he had come to me and said, you know what, I know that my wife is not in love with me and that hurts me and I feel like I'm going to act out, like that would have been legit. But I'm really into honesty and truth telling and there's nothing he could have told me that would have been too much, but these lies and, you know, I draw the line at abuse and I do consider an affair hurting a family and abusive. And when, and that's why there's not two sides to every story, because in cases of abuse, you know, silence supports the perpetrator and there's a lot of silence and there's, you know, there's a huge lack of support going through this. They want to know what you did to deserve it to, you know, to, verify to that they it could never happen to them and we were unbelievably unlikely to have this you know happen in my marriage it seemed incredibly unlikely and it happened so <laughs> sadly yes we we in a very short yes. time period you go from adequate and happy you're a mom you're fulfilling your calling yes. he's a good dad yeah. pandemic hits yeah. everyone's scared shitless yeah. no one knows what's going on you know did someone eat a bat and now all of a sudden the whole world is dying i mean it's a, it was a scary very time. scary and then next thing you know he's sending you a really shitty email then you find out that he's talking to some woman then you find out who the woman yeah. is you've kicked him out your kids are freaking out and now you have to decide what to do your counselors your attorneys it gets ugly yeah it really does i immediately there was no going back there was no remorse he called me when i caught him that night when i made the thruple comment and explained things to the kids he told me it was because i was a fucking bitch and i'm a failed wife and it is my fault and he would never feel bad about this because I did deserve it. And there was a lot of that. Yeah, it was bad. I stood up to a lot of abuse and thank God I was born mentally stable and grounded because I knew I never deserved it and I knew I didn't do anything to cause it. Outside of just normal human interactions, like the minutia of marriage where like it's not all happy-go-lucky, he did ask me 
an interesting question because I listened to your recent podcast about happiness. I can't remember what it was called, but like how happiness matters or, and, you know, which is absolutely mm -hmm. true, but his kind of happiness that he was talking about, he said, are you happy? And I said, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. You know, there's definite moments and days of happiness, but it's not like I'm in bliss at all times. That's not a life goal. I have stability and I appreciate it. And I never take it for granted. And he said, that's not true happiness. Like the impulsive happiness that he has found with his married mistress and his throuple. <laughs> that is the key to life. But it's interesting because I asked since then a lot of my married friends, men and women, are you happy? And they have a similar response to me. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm happy, but like more importantly, I have somebody I can count on who I love and trust and I have the comforts of home and we have a family and it's a beautiful thing, you know, and, but this impulsive, intense happiness, I couldn't provide that for him. I know that I couldn't. And I know her representative can and does. And, you know, I had to talk to lawyers. I was, I had to pay for everything. I work two days a week. You know, I'm not a doctor. And I knew because he thought I deserved this and I had to live with myself for creating this situation, according to him. I just, you know, had to put one foot in front of the other and do what is best for me and the kids. Said things like, oh, take him for all he's worth. But I honestly, I found myself saying I'd rather be homeless and uninsured than to be with him. <laughs> Wow. And my friends, made, yeah, lot. my friends made me stop saying that. Not that could be a reality, but apparently it could be, I guess, in the world of possibilities. So I did stop saying that, but it helped me realize that nothing could keep me with him. Like I thought, oh no, I'm going to lose my health insurance because he said that fucking bitch doesn't deserve any health insurance and fuck her. And she doesn't deserve shit. You know what she put me through. It is just crazy blame shifting. I knew about narcissism for some, from somebody else in my life. A couple months down the road. So here we are, November 2020. I'll fast forward it. And I finally talked to the husband. I was terrified to talk to the husband. He's also a doctor. The three other adults in this equation are very successful doctors. They are very wealthy. They have okay. five mansions. Oh. I kind of wonder if my husband wasn't a bit of a clout chaser. <laughs> they travel in very high circles. I could give a fuck about all that because clearly their money induces misery and I don't want any part of that. But when I did talk to him, I was really scared to talk to him and I couldn't even explain why we were talking. So I made him talk and he said he knew my husband was hanging out with his wife. And as hanging out is the, that's how he, how put, he it. put it. He said, I know you're with Brian and I know they're hanging out. And he said, you know, my wife told me that you've been divorced for five years. <laughs> wow. And he knew that was not the case. But he, she said that I was a non-factor. So there was it basically doesn't even count as an affair because he apparently knew about it. I told him I what? yeah, I told him I knew of his affair which I hadn't mentioned, but my husband claimed that he wouldn't give a shit about her affair because he also had an affair, which he denied. He seemed completely on board with this whole thing. He's like, I don't want to fucking deal with her. So I'm glad your husband's taking care of her. In fact, he told me a story that one night my husband <laughs> asked her out 
And I guess they had this code where his wife could, would come to him and say, honey, I'm going to go out tonight. And he's like, oh, let me clear my schedule. Like, if this guy's keeping my wife happy, I'm going to cancel my incredibly important international meetings online because this is a priority. Like, mommy needs to be happy because I can't fucking deal with her. Like, this is what he told me. So I'm thinking, like, shit, these all three people are mentally unstable doctors who did not subscribe to any moral code that I know. <laughs> well, wow. so... Brian's yes. girlfriend, yes. we're going to yes. call her girlfriend, yes. her husband is totally okay with it. Seemingly okay with it initially. I knew that I was the stable person in the mix, but I definitely was not talking to anybody who was making any sense to me. But, you know, I accepted what he said. And I knew that we were not going to be like you had, where you were talking to the other spouse, like, holy shit, what have you been through? Oh my God, are you okay? None of that. The only thing is we were able to check timelines so it did seem like they didn't consummate their beautiful relationship until after Brian sent me the email. That timeline kind of checked out. But aside from that, he did seem on board with it until later in the conversation when he told me that like, it wasn't all about of roses and that if this continued it was not going to end well. That's all I'll say about it. But there were some kind of scary elements to put the fear of God in me that she may be dangerous and that he was not completely on board with it. And then I just kind of changed my tune with him and just told him to focus on his kids because he is obviously the primary parent. They have lots of au pairs and nannies. And if he just kept the focus on the kids, that he would know what to do and he would be able to take care of his family. So... Yeah. Wow. So we've got this, you call it a thruple, but it sounds like it's, you've got a couple, (laughs) Brian and his girlfriend, and then you've got these two spouses on the outside who. Yeah. Well, I was on the outs. I was done. There is no possibility of being any part of this insanity, but. I said to him in that conversation, you know, I had to pretend I was all okay with their crazy worlds. Okay, in your worlds of mansions and sport cars, are you guys, you know, thinking about breaking up or where are you at with it? And he said, oh no, we're, you know, happily married and we go to couples counseling every week. <laughs> and, you know, she's able to talk about her boyfriend freely. And, you know, we kind of talk about what that means every week and you know we're doing good like we're gonna stay married and I was like oh that's awesome great as baffled as you are now I'm just like what the hell is going on second why would he do that I have no idea I mean they're so rich there's much speculation like there's money also he really truly does seem to love and care about his kids so much she seems like the nannies well the nannies and the dad are the primary parents so He's terrified of losing his kids half time, like he probably would in a divorce. In addition to whatever multi, multi millions of dollars they have, I don't know where the zeros stop there, but Hawaiian mansions on the mainland, nannies, drivers, chefs, maids, whatever. And it's funny because when I was friends with her, she used to ask advice about her nannies and she would tell me these crazy things. And I tried to be a supportive friend, but now I look back and yeah, we're from two different worlds. 
Okay, so I guess my question is, do they live as a married couple? Yes. I mean, are they living in the same room? Do they sleep in the same bed? Do they have sex together? Yeah, I'm not positive. I mean, I have wondered, like, what the fuck is going on there? They definitely live in the same house. That's her primary residence. She's not living with my husband. She did offer to buy my husband a mansion when this affair started. And he, in fact, the second conversation we had was also very interesting, where it was more humorous. We were like on the floor laughing, making fun of our spouses. But he said at the end, you know, what's your husband into? He said, because I mean, shit, if he's into sports cars or houses or prostitutes, I'd be happy to buy him some because, you know, shit, he's keeping my wife happy. So whatever it takes. And I told him, to, you know, go ahead, buy him prostitutes at this point. <laughs> 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 and then, so, so, so the, her husband, yeah, Cuckold, yes, is, yeah. he just is like, just whatever she wants, sexually, whatever, as long as she's okay and staying with me. You know, and by staying, yeah. it's like, I'm just, what does staying mean in that situation? It's just not taking my kids. Well, away. this is, I mean, you know, I might be biased, but this is an ugly woman inside for sure. Outside, arguably, as he said, you know, your husband just wants a shiny new object. He's like, she's not even shiny. She's like a dull old used object. <laughs> He also told me, he said, why does it bother me so much, Ginger? He said, I don't understand like why I get so upset about this affair. And I said, because, Cuckold, you have morals. And he responded, oh, no, I don't have morals. I have values. So no one knows what the fuck that means. But apparently it's implied that None of these doctors have morals or values, but I guess he has values, maybe family values. At least I do know he cares about his kids and I do respect him for that. And apparently she told her husband she thought he should be with me. I don't know whether she meant sexually or for real, but yeah, I'm staying 10 million miles away from that hot mess. <laughs> yeah, I think good call. Yeah. All the mansions in the world. Never. It's It scares me. I don't want any part of it. I'm not a clout chaser like my husband. He was driving her Tesla, one of, sorry, one of her many Teslas, should I say. Not long ago, my neighbor stopped him and said, and all my neighbors can't stand him, you know, after what happened here. They love me and the kids, thankfully. And they said, oh, wow, you're driving a Tesla. You got a Tesla, huh? He said, oh, I wish. It's my girlfriend's. He's so proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's my sugar mama. Yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. He's. I call him her side chick. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow. So story. they're still together. Allegedly still together. Our divorce is soon to be finalized. I want nothing to do with him. I don't think he deserves the honor of being associated with me. I never, ever want to see him again in my entire life. I told him that. And I felt very sorry about that. He was not happy to hear that. I said, I'll never, ever prevent him from seeing my kids. And I do have to let him in my house because of the scary part of, you know, just the possibilities with all their money and some threats that I've heard. I let him in our house because my kids don't go to his house because I don't know what her capacity is. I know she was happy to 
have my husband and I don't, I just have to keep me and the kids safe, especially my kids. So whatever it mm -hmm. takes, I've sold my soul for <laughs> the safety of my children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when did you start the divorce process? So I served him with divorce. I, I caught them physically July, 2020. And as soon as humanly possible, it ended up being mid-August when he was served his divorce papers. So it's been a relentless two, two years, years of, you know, just powering forward with just figuring out the details. And I've done a lot of the work myself and just consulted with lawyers. We had a mediator and he never responded to the divorce papers. He, you know, initially had said he absolutely saw no reason whatsoever for a separation, much less a divorce. And <laughs> <laughs> I see no reason whatsoever. No, and in fact, I'm the problem because I'm the only one who, you know, apparently has morals or values or believes in vows. And you idiot, yeah, exactly. I know. I need to pull it together and see the light with these. Oh, he called her an extraordinary role model. And when he called, <laughs> when, there's so much comedy gold. But when he called me a failed wife, I said, you know, who is the failed spouse? It is the loyal, loving spouse, not the lying. <laughs> deceitful, right. scary, abusive spouses. You're right. I'm the failed one. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Okay. So it's been two yeah. years. The divorce is any, it's many minutes. We don't know, Hopefully. but that's waiting for the judge's signature. Yes. How much have you spent? It hasn't been bad. I have an amazing, wonderful childhood best friend is a law professor and She's been on the phone many times with me. She's not a family law professor, but I've been able to kind of console. She's very business with me. Like we don't go into emotion. It's just like, what do I need to do here? Does this make sense? And there's a couple lawyers in her family. So I've kind of, you know, thankfully been able to tap into that resource. I have this wonderful shark of an attorney that I've just used to console. I think I have a $1,500 bill with him. I paid another lawyer who didn't do shit $5,000 initially. I did pay some financial guys. I mean, obviously with a doctor and being married 20 years with four kids, I didn't want to get screwed. I, I had to make sure that my kids were taken care of most importantly, you know, but I'm not interested in taking him for all he's worth. I just wanted to get the hell away from him. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you want to get away, but you want to protect yourself. And he's proven that he doesn't yeah, give a exactly. shit about the family. Yeah, he, so. I don't even think he's noticed at this point that he lost his family. I think he did, her husband told me that because I was scared that she would hurt my children. And I said, you know, do I need to be scared about that? I had reason to believe that. And he said, you know, I don't think you have to be worried about that as much as she would use your kids as props, like she uses our kids as props to impress your husband. So ever since that moment, I felt like our kids are just props to all of them. So I won't let my kids be used that way. So yeah, I'm making damn well sure they are protected financially. And, and so when this whole thing started, you said that your 17 year old son was outside the door. So he's 19 yeah. now. Does he have a relationship with his no, dad? No, so for the first year, all four of my kids were really angry at not their dad, but me. And I handled it like a boss. I mean, every once in a while, I would slip and say, like, I can't believe he did this to our family. We didn't deserve mm -hmm. this. I didn't deserve this. I don't ever want you to do this. And I don't want you to ever talk to somebody like this. And to my daughter, I don't want anyone to talk to you this way. And they just would roll their eyes and be like, that's all you talk about. But aside from that, I just kept high roading it the whole time. Like daddy loves you. 
I'm so sorry this happened, but you know, you can always tell me anything. We're always here for you. You know, daddy's always here for you too. So about a year in, it got a little different. And my oldest said, I don't want anything to do with him. Like I don't feel any connection. And then I, then it makes me feel really bad. I feel bad for both of them. I actually feel bad for my ex because I think it's really sad because they deserve a really good role model. They deserve a great dad. And obviously I never would have married somebody that had this capacity, but you know, he's there for them. He has been a good provider, but like to really be there for them, I don't know. I don't know. I just hope to God they're okay. I believe you can be okay with one stable parent and they know they have Mm -hmm. a dad. My ex and his family has said like, at least you're not a single mom. They've said that to me repeatedly. I don't exactly understand what that means. I do have full custody by the grace of God, which is almost impossible to get in my state. But over my dead body, was I going to do 50, 50, like, Oh, I don't have the kids this weekend. Like I didn't sign up for that. Like I signed Mm -hmm. up for life as a parent. So I will never, ever give up on them. And, you know, I like the term that he has visitation. I think it's very telling. (laughs) He's a visitor in his own home. It's crazy, but he is. Yeah. It's a sad, it's a sad story. We laugh and we've, we're, I, I say this often on this podcast that we're you know, you and I and everyone who's been on the show were members of a club that we didn't want to be part of and we can't get out of. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want this to be part of my story. I didn't want to ever get divorced. I mean, I don't disrespect people who are divorced, but I just never really ever thought it was possible, especially as stable as we were. The whole point of marrying him was stability. It's interesting is you can't marry for passion either. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, hey, passion, passion wanes. Yeah, this is what they say. Yeah, but I think if maybe that is my responsibility, if I wasn't in love, people would look at our family and say, it's clear how in love you are together, just to look at your kids. And I would think they have no idea. (laughs) So I own my part. I do. And and if that hurt my husband and that made him ultimately act out, or if he had a psychotic break because of COVID, or maybe he had COVID and these are long-term effects, I don't know. But he found a diagnosed narcissist. I found out from her husband that she was diagnosed with narcissism 10 years ago. Checks every box. Yeah. So I do believe it's either contagious or my husband's. (laughs) I actually do think that is the thing. Only from my own experience, but I do believe my husband's narcissism lay dormant during our marriage because there were signs. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's interesting. So you've been through it a rough few years, a couple of years here. Actually, you know, if you think about it, it's been a rough couple, 20 years because you you had to put on an act. I did. You did it with all the right reasons and all the best intentions and everything else. Yeah. Well, I consider the, and I don't know whether this is advice or this is just unique to me, but bizarrely, I consider his abuse and I consider his affair as blessings for me because it gave me a second chance in life and it gives me an opportunity to find real true love and I don't think anybody else would see those things as a blessing, but I do. (laughs) Like I got out, couldn't get out myself because I was too loyal. I was too devoted to my family. And so I'm thankful for, and I'm thankful to this woman. I told him 
I thank her every day. I thank my former friend, his mistress, the thruple, you know, third wheel or whatever the saying is. Every day I thank her for taking my abuser away. <laughs> wow. That, I mean, it's a great way to look at it, of course, yeah. but it's still, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. What advice would you give? Definitely, it doesn't matter what a person does or how much money they have or how much clout they have. It matters who they are. And I am a big believer in morals and values. And whether that means religion to you or family values or believing in vows or you know, being good role models for your children, like that really matters. So actually what you do and how much money you make, I could give a fuck about that. <laughs> and I, I think people that. need to put a lot less emphasis on that because, you know, this story is the picture of all the money in the world provides misery and destruction, family destruction. And what mm -hmm. good is that, you know? happiness is overrated so i don't mean to contradict that last podcast <laughs> but true happiness like true security and love and trust is critical in a long-term relationship and in a family but impulsive happiness and excitement and travel and money and prestige if people really think that's what life is about or that is the key to happiness and that is reason for departing a family it's it seems that it's temporary and it's not real and it's not what life's about so possibly true happiness is just security and love and trust but i believe people who go after that impulsive happiness at all times there's something off they're barking up the wrong tree they're chasing a lie they're chasing a representative that's not real i love that i guess my question yeah. to you though you had the chemistry free love <laughs> yeah and but you had yes it. were you happy so i had the other things apart from happiness that are nice i just take happiness out of the equation i don't think happiness is the goal because a lot of people i'd consider to be in good solid marriages and relationships are not bliss i think blissfully happy is the dream that isn't real but do i want to be in love yes did i miss being in love yes did i feel something was missing yes and do I have an opportunity to have that now in my future? Yes. If that, if being in love is happiness, then I, I want that. I'm a, I was born a happy person though, mm -hmm. and nothing can take that away from me, no matter how hard they tried with all the gaslighting and the smear campaigns that went on and the lack of support that I have from my family. His family's been okay. They haven't been bad, but our mutual friends, I haven't heard from one of them and nobody's reached out to my kids and I mean nobody to see if they're okay, but we're going to be okay because yeah, when you're born a happy person, like you are going to be happy no matter what. I had a, I have a friend who just said to me yesterday, I just scrolled to it in this text. Mm -hmm. She wrote, joy is a choice and comes from the inside, not circumstance. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that, I mean, that was, that's great. Like that. And by the way, if you think about that, yes. it means that no person yes. can bring you happiness, but yourself. I agree. Yeah. And if you so. feel happy with another person, 
there is definitely that's a very good thing but you can't blame and you can't hold someone accountable for your own happiness yep agreed all right Thanks. well ginger thank you so much thank for joining us today this has been a crazy story crazy and long. brian and your your <laughs> hag girlfriend yes. you know whatever you guys do yes whatever. more power to them they found two narcissists found each other he called her an extraordinary role model you know which i think we all agree <laughs> <laughs> She yeah, and that's her husband. A, a role model for her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I wish your kids were right. best. All right. Thanks, Tom. We'll see you. What a story. I think it's safe to say that Ginger was never really in love with Brian. And I get her point about happiness being overrated, but as I said, I disagree. I think that's just a natural offshoot of never actually being truly happy in her marriage. But hey, I'm a twice-divorced, pasty white fat guy, so who am I to decide, right? Ginger and I had a few Zoom calls leading up to the interview, so I've gotten to know her better than some of my previous guests. She's a great person, with a lot to offer. Personally, I think Brian really messed up, but that's just me. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like today's show, please show it by giving us five stars on whatever app you're using right now. It really helps spread the word. I hope you have an amazing week. Bye. Divorce doesn't have to be complicated. Our Divorce.com's three-step procedure provides a simple and affordable process that you can follow at your own pace. Save thousands by visiting OurDivorce.com today.